I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So, uh, first of all, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, thank you. Love hey, you. Uh, thank you. Guys, uh, I have a, a, a funny message that I'll, I'll share with you guys um, that we got from an Edmonton. An, oh, no. An Edmonton, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Let me just clear the, clear the air first. <laughs> Well, no, I, 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 I explained, I explained the reasoning. No, 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 no. I know I'm, I'm doing, no, I'm doing this for the, for the listeners. Okay. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, 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 we yeah. had three live shows. All three were fucking great. They were amazing. Uh, Edmonton's just a bit of a sleepy town. It's just a little <laughs> bit of a sleepy <laughs> town, you know, and, and everybody that was there, uh, I spoke to a number of people afterwards. They had a really great, great time. It was our bad that the show was way too long. It was, that was yeah. our bad. That was definitely our bad. Um, but, the, but it was just a little bit like it was, you know, sometimes you get a crowd. It was a good crowd. It was like almost 100 people. It was just a little, it was just a little reserved, right? Also like and first show back on the road. That's too. right. And I was thinking, all right, we, you know, we're dusting off the cobwebs. It's been a couple of years. Um, but I got to say, I do got to say, and I'm not picking favorites here because I love Edmonton. Every time we've done a show in Edmonton, it's a fucking time. But we went to Vancouver the next day and we did a show. And that show, I mean, the crowd that night, I don't know what the fuck was in their water. Over in Vancouver, what they've been drinking, <laughs> probably a bunch of alcohol because they popped off and shit went through the roof. It was amazing, which led us to then to have then some th- choice <laughs> words for Edmonton, <laughs> which we were joking. We obviously love Edmonton. You know, uh, we've done a few shows there and it's it's always a good time. So thank you, Edmonton. Thank you, everybody who came to Vancouver. A uh, big shout out to uh, to Quinn and Jeremy and Caden. Um, and uh, Aisha in Calgary, all of our guests, they, they were so wonderful. Um, and over the next, uh, over the next, I don't know, few weeks uh, through the month of October, we're going to be rolling those episodes out so that you can hear it um, mm-hmm. because they were so great. And, and these two, uh, you know, Taylor, Brian are going to be away for a bit. So uh, we're going to, we're going to fill that week in there with some of the stuff we've done uh, over the last couple of weeks. But we, we want to just say to everyone who came out to a show, especially the folks that like who haven't been out much you know, with, with, you know, coming off the heels of COVID and, and perhaps some people that probably came out feeling like, Hey, you know, I don't feel comfortable in crowds to those folks. We, we appreciate you endlessly. And, uh, we got to meet some really awesome people and we really look forward to coming back to all three of those cities. Well, this speaks to a lot of those things. So 
Just listen to the Vancouver episode after being one of your Edmonton crowd members. Oh no! Was this direct to you? Or yeah, was it, no, this was to us. But it landed. Oh, no. It landed in our like other inbox. Like, the Look, and, uh, you know, I want to play, say this as well. We were pandering to the audience in Vancouver. Of course, every time you get to a city and you say we were in this city, last, don't worry, and they stunk. And everybody in Vancouver goes, "Yeah, because we're the best." And then we get to Calgary, and you go, "Hey, Calgary, guess what? Vancouver sucks." And everyone in Calgary is like, "Yeah, yeah, they do." Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, because they're all shooting guns we did, and cracking. There. We didn't say that in Calgary. Um, <laughs> no, actually, Canadian. no, we didn't. No, we actually, we didn't. Because Vancouver, I was, did. I whispered it. You guys didn't hear it. Because Vancouver was straight fire. Um, just listen to the Vancouver episode after being one of your Edmonton crowd members, and I will say, in my defense, I had a blast. But you are correct. It was a pretty dead crowd. Oh, oh no! I did think you would find this hilarious, though. I haven't gone out since the beginning of COVID to oh. any event. I saw your show coming up. Love you guys, and was so stoked. Took myself to the 9910 show in Edmonton with my best friend as the last month has been hard. And what a better group to cheer me up than you. My best friend and first dog, Maiden, passed away in my arms of a natural death. Oh. She was a bulldog. You can see where this is going. So there I was, loving the Feel Good Friday and the Death Ed guy. Oh, no. Loving the Feel Good Friday and the Death Ed guy, Jeremy, got up. And lo and behold, for an hour, talked about his newly dead bulldog. Oh, no. <laughs> my friend slowly turned around to look at me full tears streaming down my face with this look of, well, fuck, lol. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, great show. Can't wait to see you again. And I'll be the loudest bitch in the room next time. All right. <laughs> Amen to that person. Yeah. And, yeah, and, that I, and, I, and I said, thank you so much for coming out. We're just paying... We're just playing off the Vancouver-Edmonton-West Coast rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so uh, in Edmonton, we spoke to Jeremy Allen from Death Ed, um, and we talked a lot about uh, grieving your pets, and uh, it was a really beautiful conversation. In I Vancouver, was we spoke to Caden tonight, uh, uh, a 17-year-old with dwarfism. Caden's been on the show before. His father's been on the show before. And then in Calgary, we spoke to Aisha, who had a uh, Takayasu's arteritis and uh, a heart transplant and very, very endearing, very endearing guest. Such a such a lovely story. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but those stories will be coming up later. And right now we have a bunch of shit to get through. Um, and uh, today, just today, uh, we were recording with uh, um, Zach Churchill, MLA here in, in Nova Scotia. And uh, Zach's actually one of the people that was behind um, getting Trikafta approved um, in Nova Scotia. So it felt really nice to talk to Zach and, and to kind of get a bit of insight into the politics of, you know, approving new drugs and, and everything that goes on behind the scenes that we don't really get to hear much about. Mm -hmm. Fascinating conversation. It, it was weird when he said that, you know, you had to do that thing if you wanted to keep getting Trikafta, like that thing personally for him. I thought we were talking about that when the, did we record that? No, we didn't. It wasn't on the mics. Cause I was yeah, like, it's I, weird. I thought that yeah. it was kind of a no strings attached thing, but he, it was very, it was, it was, it was. A I didn't realize thing. you had such a close relationship with him. Well, I didn't, I got the sense from you guys that that's not normal. And so, uh, I think we need to stop this bit. <laughs> <laughs> He could be our premier. Um, uh, so what a great guy, though. What a great guy. But honestly, great guy. But in that conversation, uh, we actually talked about um, a Toronto teen from back in 2011, Marshall Zhang. And uh, we haven't had a chance to actually talk about this on the podcast really at depth. And so I did a little bit of research into Marshall. So here's the thing. When, when Taylor and I met, and you had told the story on the conversation with Zach that'll be coming out in the coming months, um, about how when we met, I was telling you about CF and I was saying, you know, like I, I'll probably die by the, by the time I'm 30. And um, 
but there was this there there had just been this thing in the news, and I was we, rolling my eyes. You, yeah, you were going oh, lol, <laughs> which and, now I am vindicated. <laughs> and so uh, at that time, there had been something in the news that I was kind of like intrigued about, and I told you about it. So this this story is from 2011. Teen discovers promising cystic fibrosis treatment. So a 16-year-old from the Toronto area used a supercomputer system to find a new drug combination that shows potential in treating the genetic disorder, CF, and won top honors for his work. Marshall Zhang, uh, an 11th grade at the time, student at Richmond Hills Bayview Secondary School, received first place uh, in on Tuesday, May 10th, in the 2011 Sanofi Aventus Biotalent Challenge, a contest in which students conduct their own research projects with the help of mentors. Cystic fibrosis, uh, they go on to explain what it is. We don't have to do that. We all know. Dude, how does how does a 16-year-old know? Like, even, even them setting up that competition. Well. Like, how the fuck is somebody so smart at that age? You know because, that, like, no, I was you, dumb. No, not everybody's created equal. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And this, this kid definitely is uh, up and above, uh, well beyond most of the students in his year. Um, so he has a TED Talk. And I'm actually going to play a segment from the te- TED Talk, which... Uh, the segment's a little bit long. We'll sit through it. It's like two and a half minutes, but it's quite fascinating. But in his TED Talk, which he doesn't explain here, um, he met some guy who was like a research assistant uh, at some sort of like um, like science, uh, con- like, you know, fair convention or something. An event. I, s- I see where this is going. And the guy kind of sparked an interest in, in Marshall. And to- the guy wanted to employ this interesting mar- marketing tactic where he used the kid... Yeah. To well, prop up his own research. Well, no, not even. So, so he split from this guy. Brian, and, Brian, uh, what, Brian, Brian really doesn't believe in Marshall. Brian, do you be- yeah. do you believe You're that Marshall? Naysayer. Are you like one of those people that thinks that like you got to be a certain age to know? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, call me a tin. Are you your dad? Wearer, but I'm well, just saying, I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing in Marshall's uh, in Marshall's work. He he ended up um, kind of hitting up this uh, this his mentor, which was a university professor. And the university professor for the first little bit was kind of like, nah, kid, you're a kid and I'm not going to fuck with this. And he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And finally, they're like, all right, fine, come on in. And they gave him access to the supercomputer, which is where he actually did this thing. At his mentor's lab, Zhang used the Canadian SciNet supercomputing network to investigate how two promising new compounds acted against the defective protein responsible for the condition. So here's the, uh, here's the uh, segment from the TED Talk. For the next seven months, from September to March, I worked on cystic fibrosis, the most common fatal genetic disease among Caucasians, a disease where your lungs fill up with a thick, sticky mucus that prevents you from breathing and provides an incredible breeding ground for deadly bacterial infections, a disease for which almost all current treatment is limited to clinical care, care that only addresses the symptoms of the disease, like mucus thinning agents or antibiotics, instead of the fundamental molecular cause. For those seven months, I worked on Canada's most powerful supercomputing cluster, Cyanet, looking at the the interactions of small drug-like molecules with the protein that, when mutated, causes cystic fibrosis. And let me tell you, it wasn't all fun and games. I had never programmed anything in my life before. And so when I logged onto that supercomputer for the first time, and I just saw, like, it was literally like the matrix on my computer screen, I was horrified and scared, and I didn't really know what to do. But after seven months of bumbling around here and stumbling around there and a whole lot of Googling, I managed to get some pretty interesting results by March. My computational simulation suggested that if two particular small molecules were used in combination, they would be able to produce a synergistic effect in the rescue of the basic defect 
that causes cystic fibrosis. But all of this computational data, it's interesting, but it doesn't really hold a lot of weight unless there's some experimental verification. And I had signed up for a few science fairs in May, and all I had at this point in March was just some simulations. And so I needed some kind of experimental verification. But there was no time to get it. The only chance I had was during March break, five days, just enough time for a single experiment. And so on the Monday I went in, I met my, uh, the PhD student that would be supervising me, Steve Malinsky, who's in the audience today, and we proceeded to set up our experiment, a single experiment testing whether or not these two <laughs> compounds could work together. The days passed, and by Friday at around 3 or 4 p.m., we got the results. And when I looked at the results, I saw that not only were the two compounds working together, they were working together so well that they almost doubled the effect of the most potent corrector compound known to date. And so with that single experiment, I went off to my very first science fair in May. I managed to win first place at the regional level and then at the national level. And so what he's basically saying there is I'm smart as fuck. Is A, I'm smart <laughs> as fuck. B, he's essentially saying, because all of this is prior to or can be prior to um, uh, Kaleidico, prior to Trikafta. What I'm gathering is that this kid fundamentally found the key that fit into the lock that allowed pharmaceutical companies to create those modulating drugs, which ended up becoming Trikafta. Um, and he was a grade 11. That's bananas. Isn't that fucking wild? Yeah. Do you think that guy's got money now? Yeah, he's the CEO of a finance company now. That makes sense. <laughs> he learned how to, he learned how to uh, computate. I have a, I have a feeling years. maybe he got paid... <clears throat> Uh, I don't know. We should we should see if we can get him on the show. But I feel I have a feeling like like you know AstraZeneca or, Pharm or Pfizer or someone was like, look. Well, he might hold the patent. We're, we're to gonna some of those. We're gonna like we're gonna we're gonna things. we're gonna get we're gonna pay you a bunch of money and and then we're gonna go make that drug. Yeah, and then he was yeah. like, cool. I'll take that money and I will uh, I will take over this finance company. Well, he might. I mean, he might hold the patent, or he might have held the patent and then he might have sold it to the pharmaceutical yeah. companies to to so that they could produce the drug. So so. Uh, I think, you know, moral of the story here is that uh, uh, if, you're, if you're a kid listening to this and you're in grade 11 and you think you have some big ideas, fucking shoot, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot, motherfucker. See if you can uh, out-shoot out Marshall. If only I had access to a supercomputer. I know. <laughs> That's all I need. I if, they just, if they just let me into that supercomputer, I'd, just, yeah. I'd fumble around for a little bit. I'd fumble here. I'd stumble yeah. there. Yeah. And then in seven, in seven months, probably less. I'd be fucking changing the world. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what we've really been getting into lately is top ten lists. Dude, you guys, <laughs> you guys want I mean, another one? You love. You're I love, love a top ten. You love top ten. This isn't a top ten by by any means, but it is a ten list. Uh, ten weird but real medical conditions. Love it. All right, let's start with this one: Jerusalem syndrome. What do you think that is? Uh, it's it's a it's a syndrome where you feel like you are Jesus. Oh, wow. That's a good answer. That's the best I got. I'm going to go with the same as Brian. Well, Brian already read this, so I think he uh, <laughs> kind of nails it. Unless you've read comedian Mark Maron's memoir, The Jerusalem Syndrome, My Life as a Reluctant Messiah, you probably don't know much about this psychological disorder. Is he actually, that's actually a book? Yep. Is it? Is it is it a joke that he's writing it? Like, is it? Is it no, I, I mean, I think Mark Maron's like a pretty, uh, pretty, like, um, self-identifying narcissist. So I think there's a little bit of a, oh, okay. a sort of narcissist. It's legit. Um, uh, so uh, it, it occurs when a visit to the Holy Land triggers obsessive ideas about religion and even uh, uh, mes mesen 
messianic messianic delusions? I think messianic. so. Messianic Messianic delusions. Uh, The condition can affect anyone regardless of religion. Symptoms may include compulsive cleaning and grooming, wearing white robes, and sermonizing. (laughs) Sermonizing. You know what's funny is I I think I know someone with this syndrome. I think we all know someone. Oh, I know know who you're talking about. (laughs) Say his name. Zach Churchill. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Zach. Um, (laughs) Sufferers without a pre-existing psychiatric condition typically return to normal within five to seven days, uh, feel some shame about their behavior, and recover completely. Uh, says Christine Montrose, a MD assistant professor of psychiatry and human behavior at Brown University. Here's another one that I, 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 this would be really hard, but I love, I love that this exists. This is so, it's just fascinating. Foreign accent syndrome. Oh yeah. I've heard of this many times. This rare condition causes people to develop a foreign accent. (laughs) 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 You know, what's funny about this syndrome is that it's so problematic in today's climate. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and I've got a clip to show you exactly what I mean. Uh, the disorder is caused to, by damage to part of the brain associated with speech, which is so interesting. So stroke uh, is the most common cause, but, tr- uh, but trauma, tumors, and other neurological conditions such as uh, MS may also cause patients to begin speaking with a different accent, uh, Montrose went to say. Uh, according to Mark Hallett, MD, chief of the medical neurology branch at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke in Bethesda, um, the accent usually isn't very good, and native speakers can recognize that it's not authentic. <laughs> uh, See, that's that's the that's the now, craziest. Now part again, of it. I want like your British accent. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. <laughs> now, now I want to preface this with that it's not like it's not funny. It's not like this would be really hard for someone to have. Um, but you can see the humor here. And so, but, I hope. but I'm going to show you this clip and I'm, I'm going to ask that you don't laugh. Okay. During this clip. Okay. So it's going to be very so, hard. So don't, no, don't laugh. Not funny. This is hard. Cindy Hastings is fourth generation Australian. She's never been to Europe, but you'd swear she was born there. Such as her thick Eastern European accent. Where do you think she is from? I would say probably, um, Croatia or... Okay. It's interesting that you you perceive it that way because I'm actually Australian. Oh, okay. I'm born uh, in Sydney and Australia all my life. Oh, wow. Cindy is a victim of the curious condition known as foreign accent syndrome. Don't laugh at this one. It's rare. Its causes vary. But all those affected literally wake up one day sounding exotically different. Bat. Bat. Batter. Butter. Battery. Battery. Battery charger. Battery charger. Sarah Colwell from Plymouth in England is a dead set pom who now sounds like she's from Shanghai. It wasn't until I was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital to actually say, are you aware of the way you're speaking? And I said, oh, I sound like I have a slur. And she said, no, you sound like you can work at a Chinese restaurant. So you, you look could work in the local China house or something. Whoa. Oh my God! I bet she gets a lot of sideways looks with that one. Again, problematic. You know uh, what's fun? We know what's crazy about about the the the, the woman whoa. with the with the Eastern European accent. I, I think I know what you're gonna say. Where she? It's how she goes. How she goes? Uh, and looks for the word. Like she's yeah. like she, like it's not her first language, right? Yeah. Yes, dude. I that's know. the part that's I know that's wild. It's like broken English. Like yes. like it's not just the accent. It's like actually it's like, like yeah. hard to find the words because it's not my first language. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's all 
It's all crazy. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember listening to a Radio Lab episode. I think. not crazy as in they are crazy. But no, crazy I mean, as it's in crazy. It's just that it a wild thing. Yeah, it was yeah. either Radio Lab or This American Life years ago, like years, like five six years ago. And they profiled uh, somebody. They had maybe a car accident <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And then they woke up from a coma, and all of a sudden they were. I think they were French. Had like a French or a Spanish yeah. or something. Maybe. And uh, and and I remember just being like. This has got to be fake. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. got to be fake. Yeah. It just yeah. strikes you as there's no way yeah. this is real. But yeah. it is. But hey, Tay, uh, let, let, let's pretend that you had it. What would it sound like if you if you woke up with foreign accents? I mean, you you had a Chinese accent. Go. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. <laughs> I was actually trying <laughs> no, to pull I'm it together. Gonna, I'm not gonna let you. I was trying <laughs> to pull it together. Jumping Frenchman of Maine. That's another uh, disease. That's uh, a di- that's jumping na- Frenchman of Maine. That's the name of the disease. Yeah, this condition is named after a group of French Canadian lumberjacks who worked in northern Maine in the 1870s, also known as uh, hypercaplexia. It involves an extreme reaction to stimuli that causes uncontrollable jumps and startle-induced falls. Most people first experience symptoms right after birth, a condition referred to as stiff baby syndrome. Uh, wow. The syndrome can be effectively treated with uh, benzos, uh, a drug class used to treat anxiety and seizures by slowing down the nervous system. Do you think that you know the you know the video of the the goats that like when yes. you startle the goats and Dude, they yeah. fall asleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do like you think that. it's similar to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably, maybe, yeah. It's just that that. Yeah. In I mean, humans. that's a, that's a type of narcolepsy. Is it? Yeah, I it mean, just that's, makes them go to sleep. That's narcolepsy. Yeah. you know, it's just, but that's just, a but that's like a thing like across the species for goats, right? Well, not all goats. Uh, I think it's certain. It's certain type of goat that that has, and not all goats have it. But like, it's if they have it, it's like it's it's like. I mean, really, what it is, it's a form of uh, defense. Like you scare them, and they just they go to sleep. It, it's mm-hmm. like a it's a form of playing dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> it's very convincing. It is, Doctor Strangelove syndrome. Um, have you ever have you guys ever seen Doctor Strangelove? I have not. No. One of the best movies ever made, and 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 still to this day stands. The test of time. And actually, probably today it would be, it would hit much harder than probably like five years ago, um, considering the the sort of climate that we find ourselves in. What's with. it about? It's about, uh, it's about dropping the bomb. It's about, oh. uh, it's about World War II and the atom bomb. Uh, and it is a Kubrick film, uh, one of his only com- comedies, and it's fucking hilarious. Oh, Named after the title character of the classic 1964 film, this condition involves uncontrollable hand or limb movement. The condition is also referred to as alien hand syndrome. From time to time, when the other hand is engaged, the affected hand may hop up and try to interfere with that hand or do something to counter it. <laughs> like I'm such a handsy talker, so if I was like sitting here talking like like talking like this, my 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 other hand would be like, no, not no, not today, not not you, not today. Which I think is really funny. Um, not funny, but funny. Right. These. Um, are, I mean, all of these, these disorders are, are funny, these but are not funny. funny. These are horrible, and but this is funny. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Shut up, Brian. It's funny. AHS uh, <laughs> alien hand syndrome is usually the result of a tumor, stroke, or surgery that affects the corpus callosum, callosum uh, which connects the brain's two hemispheres. Damage to the right hemisphere impacts the left hand, and vice versa, because one side of the brain controls movement to the other side of the body. Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Whoa, cool. These have uh, the coolest names. They do. They psychosis? Do. Is that just psychosis? In Lewis Carroll's 19, uh, 1865 fantasy novel, 1865, <clears throat> man, Jesus, what a solid book. Yeah. And how old is that book? That's crazy. 
Um, in that book, Alice in Wonder, the uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the main character experiences magical transformations such as shrinking and expanding. This neurological syndrome, also called Todd's syndrome, not as cool as the name, uh, usually presents migraines that distort perception of size and distance. Whoa. Episodes, which can last up to an hour, involve seeing objects or people as very big, very small, or further away than they actually are. Patients can also experience hallucinations as well as an inaccurate sense of time passing very slowly or quickly. The syndrome typically affects young children and can occur at the onset of sleep. Now, here's a fucking crazy thing. I've had this. No. On yes. high doses of LSD. No, no. <laughs> so I used to have this recurring um, dream where I was awake while I was having the dream. And it was kind of like a, it was, it was like a state of sleep paralysis that didn't have the spooky phantom that would like come in the room and like sit on my chest. But what would happen is I would wake up. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed and everything in the room was distorted in size. So like the bed was massive. I was tiny. My, my, my armoire was gigantic. The, the door to my room was like a mile away. Everything was huge and long and extended. And I was so tiny and tiny. And that would happen to me. Once a month, every, and, and I remember going to my mom one, one morning going like, Hey, I'm, I, I tried to explain it to her. And she was like, yeah, yeah, you're just having a dream. And I was like, no, I know. But like, this is way more than a dream. Like I'm awake. Were you sure that you were awake too? Yes. A hundred percent. Like I'm awake. Like I'm just laying there going, Oh my God. Like I can see my room. It's dark. Like mm -hmm. my eyes are open. I can't move. And that's how, that's how it felt. So I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't, but like, I, I it used felt to have this, um, real. I used to have this episode that was like sleep paralysis and I would wake up and I would sit up on the edge of my bed and I would actually be able to sit up, but then I wouldn't be able to move. Mm. And there would be a herd of spiders running across that's the floor, just like the so whole floor covered in spiders. I had the exact same thing and then I'd pee on them. <laughs> yeah. and 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 that and and that is well not when you're a kid that was when you're a full-grown adult yeah. and you ap actually are just peeing on your laundry usually yeah. happened after a night of heavy yeah. drinking that yeah here's a cool one geographic tongue here's <laughs> which is oh look at that okay isn't that cool yeah so uh geographic tongue this oddly named syndrome in uh, involves uh psoriasis-like symptoms of the mouth in which harmless but p potentially painful lesions develop on the tongue. Red and white patches are often surrounded by a slightly elevated yellow border resembling, uh, resembling irregularly shaped geographic masses on a map. Uh, these lesions can cause a burning sensation or irritation. The cause of geographic tongue is unknown. However, situations and conditions producing stress, including allergies, hormonal disturbances, nutritional deficiencies, and psychological disturbance, uh, writer syndrome and even spicy food are related to GT. Now I kind of have this a little bit sometimes. Do you, is it do, does it is it caused by anything in particular? Tell me, tell me, can you see it on my tongue? Mm, you have a little bit of white stuff on your tongue right now, but yeah, but so, yeah. sometimes that like that'll like oh, like it gets kind of white stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I sometimes get that it, um, particularly after like a night of drinking, and I look at my tongue in the morning, and it might have like weird shapes on on my tongue but i'm like i'm very dehydrated and what's the difference between this gross. and oral thrush i don't know geographic tongue though could be another name for foreign accent syndrome yeah it right? could like be. oral thrush mean, also called yeah, oral be. candidus is a condition in which fungus candida accumulates in the lining of your tongue maybe i have thrush guys remember mm. speaking of yeah. how spicy foods can bring that on do you remember the wings that we just had yeah i do 
and they were way too hot. Way. Had to sign a waiver, and uh, good thing. Way too hot. All right, here's another interesting one. Human werewolf syndrome. That's cool. Uh, Not even laser hair removal can permanently control excessive hair growth caused by this genetic disorder. Known as congenital hypertrichosis languinose, the condition is caused by a rare genetic mutation and affects people regardless of gender or age. Hair growth may occur all over the body or just in some areas. And you guys have probably seen images of this. I I don't have one prepped Mm -hmm. here, but it's like, uh, there's like images of like werewolf kids, you know, it's like a, it's like two or three kids in the same mm. family and they just covered in hair. That like, was on like TLC. Yes. It's like a TLC show yeah. about that. Yeah. This one is so sexy. That's totally what it is. Dude, <laughs> TLC, man. How TLC is just a dumpster fire. Now. Um, this one's really hot. Uh, fish odor syndrome. Uh, this inherited m- metabolic disorder is triggered by an enzyme deficiency that pre- prevents the breakdown of trimethylamine uh, a chemical byproduct of protein digestion responsible for the offensive smell associated with decaying fish. Oh. As a result, a fishy odor is detected in the urine, sweat, and breath. Oh. Uh, there's no cure, but symptoms may be reduced with TMA-free diet that avoids legumes, peanuts, eggs, and certain kinds of fish and meat. That's what a dog's asshole smells like when they need their anal glands Impact, like when their anal glands are impacted. Loki's breath smells like that some sometimes. I've oh never had God, it's boy. never he's never had it in his like he's never had it in his pee. Or it's kind of it's kind of like what you have, Ted, just coming from your body. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, last one here. Sucks to be me. And we actually had this. Uh, we did this on the show once. Exploding head syndrome. Whoa. Imagine hallucinatory uh, hallucinatory sounds like gunshots, cymbals, or explosions going off in your head as you try to sleep. Uh, even though it does not cause physical pain or swelling, the symptoms are alarming and disruptive. Some people have it once in their entire life, whereas some people might have it seven times per night. Um, uh, the condition is likely brought on by insomnia, general sleep disruption, and certain types of anxiety, according to Dr. Ben Sharpless, who stresses the benefits of keeping patients informed. Believe it or not, it's just educating patients about the condition and reassuring them that uh, it's not dangerous can lead to a reduction of episodes in some, some cases, he says. Crazy. So there you go. Can you, um, can you just look straight into the, Can you look straight into the camera? And what are these things called again? The weird. Was nine. What were they? Weird medical? Uh, nine weird, but real <laughs> medical conditions. Can you, can you do it? I mean, the title says 10, can, but it's, can, just, it's really nice. Can you just look straight into the camera and just repeatedly, one after the next, say, weird medical conditions, part one, that and shows. then do it all the way up to part nine so uh, that uh, I can just make TikToks of these? Sure. Okay, here we go. Weird medical conditions, part one. Jerusalem syndrome. <laughs> That's good. Foreign <laughs> accent syndrome. You gotta do part two. Oh <laughs> no, no no no! Oh sorry. Uh, uh, oh, wait, no. do, but do I go do them all? Yeah yeah yeah. All right, everyone will be fine with this. Yeah yeah. Jumping Frenchman of Maine syndrome. This is fun. Doctor Strange Love syndrome. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Geographic tongue. Oh, you're doing. Are oh, you doing them? Are oh, you doing everything? Human werewolf syndrome. Oh no. Fish odor syndrome. Oh, God. Stinky. <laughs> oh, thanks for the extra commentary. Exploding head syndrome. Oh, so animated. Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> How's that? Uh, Guys, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking gonna, TikTok. I'm going to actually, I'm going to make each one of them their own video. So we'll do uh, part, part one. Okay. We'll be okay, here, the first okay. one, no, part no, no, two. No, please don't. No. Stay tuned for part two. 
Stay tuned for part three. <laughs> Stay tuned for part four. <laughs> Stay tuned for part five. <laughs> Stay tuned for part six. Guess what? There's a part seven. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for part eight. Stay tuned for part nine. They said ten, but there's only nine. <laughs> there you go. Dude, that's so You're sick. welcome, audio that's audience. Like, that's like ten weeks of TikTok content. <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, John Cena sets a new Guinness World Record by granting 650 make-a-wish wishes. Dude, John Cena's fucking killing dude, it. that guy is fucking nuts. He's dude. like the new What's rock. His schedule? How, how, He's trying to be the How new rock, bad dude. do you think that he would fucking pile drive you if you spent his money on the dumb shit that you did? Dude. You just take it back. I'd... I would spend that money on that same thing just to get pile drive by him. <laughs> yeah, you would. The Guinness Book of World Records recognizes the actor and WWE superstar for the most wishes granted through a Make-A-Wish Foundation coming in at 650. Cena has become one of the most popular wrestlers in the history of WWE since his 2002 debut. He granted Whoa, his first really? wish in 2002, and in 2012, he granted the foundation's 1,000th wish. Isn't this... This, this is fishy to me, you guys. Why? Like, because... Who at Make-A-Wish is like is being like, hey, here's a few things. He must be in the brochure because like I'm sure that they show up. Like, did they did they give absolutely you some like not. No, they, no, no. they don't give you any literature that's Dude, like here's some of not. the things you can choose no, 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 from. No, no. Think about it this way. If Sorry, I was what? if I was smart as a kid, I would have said, I want to meet the Undertaker. And they would have been like, okay, easy. You definitely wouldn't have said John Cena. No, no, because John Cena was before was after my time. Right. For yeah. me at the time when I made my wish, it was the Undertaker. Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Triple H, yeah. So what you're saying is John Cena has the most loyal kid fans. All the kid fans, all the kids love John Cena. Sorry, Brian, are you suggesting some sort of like nefarious conspiracy that John Cena is like is running in the background of Make a Wish Foundation? I, hey, I'm not. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just the guy here asking the questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the for those of you who don't know, the Make a Wish Foundation helps fulfill the wishes of children who have diagnosed uh, been diagnosed with a life threatening illness, targeting children between two and a half and eighteen years old. Uh, they can choose to meet a celebrity, go to an event, uh, even give a gift to somebody else, or spend a bunch of money at a mall. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records verified. <laughs> it doesn't the, say that they, there. They wrote it here. No, they know. didn't. That, what they, they were like, that's a huge gift that everyone asked for. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. What's this? this is from uh, NPR. Interesting. Uh, must be real. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records verified the 650th wish granted on July 19th. Uh, we're thrilled to celebrate John Cena and his involvement in the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Guinness Book of World Records told NPR in a statement. In 2015, Cena fulfilled his 500th wish. I can't say enough how cool it is to see the kids so happy and their family so happy. I truly want to show them that it's their day, he said in a video produced for WWE's YouTube channel. I just drop everything. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to show up and I'm going to smack that kid right in the fucking mouth, he said. Oh, okay. I, I, when I read this, I, I had misread it. I thought that he was 
I thought that he was like personally funding no, the, no these no. wishes. He's, he's the most requested. Oh, he is the he is the wish. Yeah. Okay. And if anything, it's I mean, his wish is being made because he's wished to provide the most kids with wishes. He's wished to provide m- the most kids with back breaking uh, abuse. Do you think? Because like my thoughts was yeah, like, he's showing up to the like, wish. He's like showing up at the hospital bed. Yeah, you know, a kid with cancer's laying there, and then he just like elbow slams him. I yeah. mean, the thing I was just wondering is like, you know, to do death. you think there's and a brush? That was the worst. The kid's like. I don't want to do chemo. And he's like, I got you, kid. And he just comes in. What's Cena's finishing move? I have no idea. You know how, um, you know how like on, if you go to Cameo and you want to order a, a celebrity greeting for your friend or whatever, yeah. there's like a bunch of lists of like who mm-hmm. who's available and they all have different prices associated with them. I'm just wondering if like John Cena is like at the sweet spot in like popularity and price. Mm. You know, so like, is this why he's getting chosen? Like so he's, no like, like he's, no at the, he's at not. the he's at the perfect axes of finding out and fucking around. See, yeah. yeah, and what, but like what I'm well, saying, I, is I, be a price. I know yeah, there's yeah. no, yeah. I know that there's no price for the kids in terms of like kids, what the, the foundation's paying him to do. Right, to and so up. I'm wondering if the foundation's like, hey, you could have well, there is this a price, affordable there, guy. There, there is a price for the kid in the family because you know if he's showing up and doing his finishing move called the attitude adjustment to a kid, they're paying a price. They're paying a fucking price, and and let me tell you. Kids on their deathbed need an attitude. Dude, John Cena will just fucking laugh you to death, man. He's hilarious. Do you think John Cena provides like maid services for kids? Like they just can be pile drive. (laughs) Like instead of like like instead of the administering the expensive pharmaceutical drugs, they just get John Cena to come in and sit on a kid. Like that's the wish. They like (laughs) he's so heavy. They know there's not much time left. Can you imagine if that was a kid's wish? So they were like, I want this person to end my like I want this person to perform maid on me. Yeah, with the finishing move. With a finishing move. With a finishing move. Yeah, very illegal, but. I mean, we should yeah. definitely move to being compassionate. This is certainly yeah. not funny, you guys. I mean, it is, though. All right. Well, uh, how about this? New Zealand launches ball checking booth for testicular cancer. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Here's a picture <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> the testematic. Um, uh, testematic. This is from BBC. Ever thought of getting a health check but worried about having to, well, you know, drop your pants? Meet the testematic. Uh, that's a booth uh, to allow New Zealand men to have their balls checked without having to face the doctor. It's yeah, like grow it's, a, up. it's an awareness. It's an awareness. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, testicular cancer is the number one cancer in young men in Western nations. And the booth is being rolled out with fanfare at a big expo in Auckland. Cheerio. Uh, how does it work? <laughs> Into the booth, down with the pants, and the doctor will check you anonymously through a little hole. Oh it's, it's actually, oh, it's actually a hand. It it's is, actually a person on the other side. It is actually a person on the other side, and they stick their hand through the hole. And maybe you can stick your thing through the hole. This is a reverse glory hole. Uh, strolling between all those mark, uh, markers of perceived old school masculinity, you'll run the testamatic test labeled as the world's first auto ball checker. Uh, what you do is muster your, up your courage, step into the booth, pull a, cert, uh, pull a curtain around, and drop your pants. What then happens in... So not some fancy high-tech screening process. Instead, uh, there's a good old neurologist sitting in the booth uh, who, through a hole, will have his uh, little feel of your balls. Shit, if you ask you if you've, uh, if you've sinned and you're ready to repent. Uh, <laughs> the project is in line with Testicular Cancer New Zealand's goal to raise awareness of the illness. Uh, the cancer has very high rates of being cured, but it all depends on how early it's diagnosed. If, they find, to- a, if they find a lump, is it called a sorry hole? Is there like, sorry, you have cancer? We can cut that. We'll just cut it. Oh, or like all the I can we can put in some laugh, like a laugh track or something. Yeah, we'll laugh it. track. Yeah, let's do that. Laugh track's a great idea. Might help. 
Um, according to testicular cancer in New Zealand, 90% of cases are cured. So, um, um, see, cause the, guys. the stigma, the stigma really does lie in the stigma. <laughs> the stigma is in, cause this is the, this is the, the issue, dude, dudes are feeling their nuts on a super regular basis. It's not about finding the issue. It's about telling somebody about the yeah. issue. I just don't understand how a guy sticking his hand through a wall and fondling your balls is going to be able to find anything better than you just checking your own nuts. That's what I, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I don't think well, it, I don't think it's a problem with. Well, no, no. A, a doctor's probably going to a doctor's going to pick it up yeah, better than you yeah, could yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, don't you like think the amount of times I mean, like I'll do it right now? Like the amount of times I've fondled my balls and gone, is that a lump? You wash and, your hands, and then I go, oh, my balls are clean, dude. <laughs> I just showered. Like, I, I didn't say they were balls. I showered also, also I have a bidet, in. and uh, sometimes I just bidet my nuts. I bidet my nuts. So. There's a joke there, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Something about I, I don't yeah. know. I don't feel anything there, but sometimes I'll feel something. And I go, huh? and then I go, oh wait, no, that's just like something like that's that. like my va- that's that's my malformed vast deference. Something like I bidet you know? D's nuts or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bidet these nuts across your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, hole was a better joke, you guys. I don't know about that. He laughed at my joke, so. <laughs> I didn't, need a I didn't need a laugh. Track. Kind of my joke. It was kind of a collaborative. Pandering. Hey, do you guys know that humans have more than five senses? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we wa- I think we watched a video and I heard it in, or you were looking at it. I heard it in the background and I said, that is an excellent point. Yeah. So uh, when we think of human senses, we think of eyesight, hearing, taste, touch and smell. Yet we have always known that we are capable of sensing much more than this. Exactly what, however, is subject to ongoing scientific research. There's a whole movie about this. Um, <clears throat> the sixth sense. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's it. That, that's exactly what this is about. Neuroscientists Shalom. are well aware that uh, we are a bundle of senses. Um, and many would argue we have anywhere between 22 and 33 different senses. One of them is ghost, ghost. detection. Yeah. So here are some lesser known ones. Number one. Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Equilibrioception. What do you think that is? Balance. balance. Yeah. A sense of balance. Uh, this is what keeps us upright and helps us make our way around without getting hurt. Proprioception. What's that? Uh, proprioception is our, like our, 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 yeah, our, our understanding of like space. Yeah. So knowing which parts of your body are where without looking. I know a lot of people that don't have any of this fucking sense. Mm-hmm. They got no sense. Uh, it's how we can type without looking at the keyboard, for instance, or walk around without having to watch our feet. <laughs> do you Typing guys ever without looking at the keyboard is so satisfying? Yeah, no. Do you ever do that and go, <laughs> "This is um, fucking great"? Yeah, I'm good yeah I mean, at this. I like think about us playing video games. You know, it's like yeah. like when I play video games with Kira, I can see how she has no proprioception built up for it. Mm-hmm. Versus when I'm playing, I'm like, da la la da la da la. And then she's like, you would never. She's like, what do I press? I'm like, press A, press A, press A. And she's like, uh, where is A? I'm like, you <laughs> idiot. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then she kills us. <laughs> Fuck. Um, no, she's actually, uh, she's actually quite good at video games for having never touched it. Um, kinesthesia. What's that? Um, it's kind of similar to appropriate but... proprioception, not quite, but yeah, I don't know. It's a sense of movement. Uh, uh, yeah, a sense yeah, of movement. Uh, thermoception, heat. Yeah, so uh, it's we know whether our environment is too cold or hot. Being able to sense the temperature around us helps us keep us uh, keep us alive and well. I feel like that's partly in touch, though, right? No, well, it'd be different. Is it is this touch what, is like you can feel the table. I mean, it like it doesn't matter. Like you feel something. It doesn't matter if it's cold or hot. But you but are like, feeling it. It's just 
it's just it's touching you instead of you touching it. You know what I'm saying? Like the it's air. I think I think but like so, like like hovering your hand over a, a hot hot stove. That's different than the feeling of touching the stove. I think that's the interesting thing about all of these additional senses. They kind of they kind of tie into all the other senses that we have. They're basically um, senses that we have that are a combined use of all of the other yeah. core sense, yeah. like five core sentence, yeah. senses. So like you're seeing, you're touching, you're feeling like those those are the things you're employing when mm. you're using mm-hmm. like, like like balance. Or like whatever. yeah, with your balance. I mean, if you. I mean, I don't really find it when I'm on two feet, but it's like if you lift one foot up off the ground and then close your eyes, yeah, that becomes infinitely harder yeah. when your eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. How about this one? No C-ception. Sorry, Dark. what? No C-ception. Yeah, I don't know. The ability to feel pain. Oh, hmm, interesting. That sounds like touch to me. Do you remember? Do you guys remember? Uh, <laughs> I got, were, were I got guys, one more. Were you guys a fan of the of the Pierce Brosnan? Um, I haven't bond, been a fan of a bond? single thing he's ever done. No, really. Didn't, you didn't like any of those Bond movies as a kid? No, I really didn't. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. um, I can see now as an adult why they are bad Bond movies. Yeah. But but as a kid, I really loved them. And one of the villain uh, in I can't remember which one it was, but uh, he, his one of his uh, one of his like things was that he doesn't feel pain. And I was always really fascinated by that as a kid. It was a it was a movie. You know what? He did do it, something it, it that I did def- like. Though. It was definitely a movie. What was the movie he did recently that I was like, hey, I like that. Thomas Crown. You didn't like Thomas Crown Affair? I mean, oh, Mamma Mia. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, uh, No, he did do something recently, though, that I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. I thought Thomas Crown Affair was so fun when I was Didn't he do something that was filmed here, like, in the last few years? Here's Brosnan? Don't know. Uh, How about this one? Um, uh, Chronoception. I like this one. Time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a sense of uh, how we sense passing of time, which that sense gets all fucky when you're when you take 10 milligrams of uh, a gummy. I mean, it also (laughs) it also is a sense that changes over time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, my you know, I can't believe how fast a day goes by now. Or think Mm -hmm. about summertime as a kid. You're like summer's forever. I know. Right. And now it's like summer's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Summer days starts, and weeks they pass yeah. so much differently. We're getting old, and I remember, <laughs> and I and I remember, I, I remember somebody uh, explaining this to me. In the I was explaining this to you. It's like the the you know a day or let's say a month, a month when you're thirty is such a smaller percentage of your whole life experience than a month is when you're five. That's what I was saying. I was I was saying that to you because I was talking about the length of car rides as a kid. Like I used to fucking hate when yeah. my my like dad on the weekend would be like, let's go for a drive to like the valley, which is like an hour away. And for me as like a seven-year-old, that was like a not an insignificant percentage of yeah. my lifetime at that point yeah. yeah and now like if i go for an hour drive it's sweet so I get it, it seems like it's a long time yeah. when you're a yeah. kid and then as you get older that changes the world's end <clears throat> that's what i saw pearson i was like pierce brosnan oh. was in world's end yeah he's the bad guy um here's some senses that humans don't have you mean the world's simon Pegg? yeah yeah huh. uh uh we do not have electroception what do you think that is Elect- our ability to uh, electrocurrents like yeah the ability to feel electrical fields around us so sharks can detect electrical fields in their environment including those emitted by prey it cannot necessarily see magneto mm. can can do that well it's funny you say that the next one is magneto reception well there you go magnetic, uh, magnetic which is fields. several mammals such as bats can sense the earth's magnetic field and use it to navigate 
birds do that too, right? That's like when so they're migrating. Crazy. Polarized light. Uh, many animals, animals, including insects and birds, use polarized light to decide which direction to go in. Interesting. Um, Aristotle was the first to suggest that there are five senses that govern our reality, and this is something that we still believe. Um, our senses work together, which kind of speaks to all these senses. And, and uh, what one sense perceives can manipulate another, uh, what another perceives. So, so, for example, when we're sitting in a plane, I, th- I think this is very interesting. When we're sitting in a plane, we're just on a plane. What we see changes as the plane takes off. The cabin in front of us looks like it's higher, yet nothing has actually changed in our field of vision. It's our ear canals that are telling us that we are tilting backwards and changes what we literally see. It's like a, it's a, it's an optical illusion based on our ears. Isn't that interesting? No, wait, no, it's not, it's not an optical illusion based on our ears because we are, we are actually seeing it, but we wouldn't, our sight actually isn't changing. Our sight isn't changing, but it feels like. But our ears show us that it is actually tilting That's why I say it's an optical illusion because optically we, it looks like all of a sudden this fucking, it looks like the plane's doing this. When really we're just seeing the same thing because we've tilted in the same at the same orientation as the plane. Has. Yes, yeah, and yeah. so our ears are going. Oh yeah, everything is everything is like higher up in that, that way. That always trips me out when you're you like can't dri- see out. Like if you're not looking out the out the plane and it's doing that, you can just go. Oh, oh yeah. You know when you're driving in a car and you you're holding a ball an when you're holding a ball and you throw the ball up in the air. Yes, and it just it's like yeah. you're it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're you're. You're sitting still. Yeah, why, like when you throw that ball, why doesn't that ball just fucking slam right in your face? Right, yeah. exactly. It's because yeah. it's moving at the same pace as you when you throw it. Yeah. I watched did you know it. that? Did you know, like, we thought that, like, back in the day, like, when trains were being made, we thought there were, um, not we, there were people that thought, like, if you go over 35 miles per hour, you're just going to turn to mush. <laughs> they, were, they were scared about trains. They were like, we can't move that fast. Our fucking bodies can't handle it. Now you know, we're blasting people a, uh, through the air and rocket <laughs> yeah, ships. Yeah. I'll try to find it and send yeah. it to you guys. There's this incredible video uh, by Veritasium about how, um, about how, like, time is moving differently for people as they move, as you move towards or away from each other how time is moving yes. differently for everybody yeah. like and and it's all about like relativity really fucking blows your crazy mind. yeah i mean like that whole notion of like you know the further away you get from earth the slower time is mm-hmm. for you versus the people on earth is getting faster so like you know if we get to a point where we get to you know interstellar travel you know or like you know someone goes all right we're gonna go to europa and and go hang out there for like three years and they come back They'll come back far younger than we are when they left. You know, not far younger, but like significantly younger than noticeably younger. Yes, that, yeah. that would be crazy if you were I love like that part of Inception. That's one of my favorite. So, if you were in a or, or, interstellar, yeah, thank you. If you were in a uh, in a spaceship and you you did that and you flew far away and you got to that point where you like you were like fuck like. Now, if I go back, now all my go family's back, dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like how how much of a mistake yeah. that would be. It'd be, I, it'd it'd be, be like, a big mistake. Be yeah. like, shit. I had this thought the other day. I had this high thought the other day. I ate some uh, some gummies and I watched uh, Aliens, the sequel to uh, the 1979 um, perfect film, one of the best films ever made, Alien. Two things. Interesting. I was while I was watching, I was like, I was like, man, so fascinating. It's so rare that you see a movie in a franchise where the sequel is tied exactly to the same story as the first film, um, same character, uh, same universe, same timeline. 
yet the first movie is a fucking horror film and the second the sequel is just a straight up action like totally different genres i thought that was just like man that's so cool um because i can't think of any other movies that are like the first Mm -hmm. one's a horror and the second one's a completely different genre Mm -hmm. but the high thought i had was um ripley you know kills the alien in alien in the first movie she goes into cryogenically frozen state floating through space, hoping to get picked up by a rescue crew. She gets picked up by a rescue crew 52 years into the future. They bring her back to Earth, or at least the, the space station just to off Earth, and they wake her up. And she, they're like, oh, like, and, you know, she's, she was frozen. She was cryogenically frozen. She's the same human that she was when she got into the cryo booth. And they wake her up and they're like, yeah, that's, uh, it's crazy that, like, you survived it there that long. And she was like, how long was, was I out? And they're like, you were out for, like, 57 years. And she's like, oh, fuck. And they're like, yeah. So everybody you know is now like 90 or dead. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, my, my high thought was like, oh, my God. Being cryogenically frozen is, is one-sided time travel. For yeah. you and only you, it's time travel. Into the future only. Into the future only. One yeah. way, and one sided. One, one way, one sided time travel for everybody. For everybody else, they grow, they age. For you, you just skip through time. I don't know why you cool? wouldn't want to be cryogenically frozen because there's two. Th- there's well, two I things think, that happen. I think it would be. I think it'd be very. I mean, we so we talked about this in in our live show um, uh, in in Edmonton. Yeah. And this was a really. I, I never thought about. So we were talking about Alcor, and everyone uh, just. Fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Alcor, which is the company in the U.S. in Arizona that is taking. They have, uh, I think, right now in the world, there's somewhere north of 500 bodies and or brains that are cryogenically frozen, with the hope that in the future, science will advance to a point where we can bring those people back to life. And one of the things that they they had like worked into this plan. So if you go to do this, you know, like one of the like part of the part of the contract that you sign. Is that there's like a there's like a, a system that you you put together yourself as the patient that is like a, a a time capsule so that when you wake up let's say 500 years into the future you wake up and you're you know you're in your 30 year old body that died of cancer in 2020 um, but you wake up in 2340 and you have this little time capsule that has like memories and cherished mementos from your your past life. And you now have to go into this new world that's going to look way different. You're not going to know a single human. You're not going to, you're going to have, oh, they also like worked in some sort of like, some sort of like funding part where it's like, okay, now that you've, you've awoken in the future, we have this like Bitcoin. We have this, yeah, this nest egg for you to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all crypto. Um, and so now you can like live your life. You can kind of start over again. See, that is actually one of the That's most traumatic. fascinating things. That's so traumatic. Because if you had, because if you were like, this was going to be like 200, 300 years in the future, and you just gave that to somebody who was just like really conservatively managing your money, you would have a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are fucking it, money. Yeah. yeah. But the, there's really like, the, but when you get cryogenically frozen, there's like two, two potential outcomes. The first one is you just, they unfreeze and you just die. Like they, like whatever happens, it just doesn't fucking work out. The second option is that you come back. I know, but what I'm sure, I know what I'm saying is there's, there's a trauma that goes with waking up 500 years into the future. Totally. But you, I mean, you must be somewhat aware 
of that going into that process, right? Like you don't just accidentally well, okay, get cryogenically so, frozen. So, so when no. you get cryogenically frozen, you come back and you're like, oh, fuck. Yes, like, yes. But so, yeah. here, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You decide to do this. You don't decide to do this while you're alive and go into, into the freeze. You do this. You die all of a sudden. Then you get frozen. And then all of a sudden you're waking up and you're going, oh, oh, it worked. Oh, fuck. <laughs> What year is it? And they're like, it's 3002. And you're like, oh, fuck. Dude, that did anybody crazy. else survive? Like, did you I freeze be, any of my family members? I'm like, I, fuck no. They, I would yeah, be, they thought you were crazy. So you already said goodbye to your family. I would I be, mean, yeah, I know. But it, but it would still be so jarring that I think you would just go crazy. Dude, I'd be so no, pissed if so. they woke me up in the year 3002. <laughs> I would be so pissed. Why? Why? Because I would. Two years after the year 3000, yeah, I would yeah. obviously would want to be back for the rager. year 3000. That would have been a rage. Guys, right. we You're are, right. we, do you have any idea how selective be, living through a millennium is? Yeah. And we've already done it. I, yeah. I do realize, now, which is living, why I'd want to do it again. Imagine <laughs> living through it twice. That's great. That would be fucking wild. <laughs> imagine would be, living through it I'm going to be the first Alcor. person Let's to do it. Let's sign up for Alcor. Dude, do you think that? Do you think that in the year three thousand there's gonna be like a, like a, like a, like a, like a there's gonna be like a big a big uh, widespread internet scare? The no, Jonas no, no, dude. Y three K? No, Y three K is gonna be a global orgy, <laughs> dude. What the Could fuck? Be. How did we get Y two K so wrong? Or, or was or and like it wasn't just like it wasn't dingbats, right? It was like right. Everyone went. I think every plane in the sky will fall. Like it was, yeah, that's right. Because I was we actually, freaking. I was just thinking about we that. Freaking. Like, was but now are we just misremembering that because we were so young, or or was it a bona fide no no conspiracy theory like twenty twelve? I think it had a yeah. A, I think part of it was they were they like, were was it I, I don't know. They, I think they were scared that the date was going to roll over, and these computers that were running a lot of big systems at the time didn't have the next slot in numbers to turn over to the it. next and time. And then they were all going to so, shut down. Yeah, so they were worried that like it would cause a glitch in all of these systems yeah. that would lose. You'd, like, and we lose were using the of, same amount of digits. You know what's funny is we all thought this. We all thought that fucking stupid That's thing. That's what they told us. And there's people like Taylor who don't think that if we hit, if we find the singularity, that we're all doomed. Yeah. It's, just, it's like the same thing, but reversed. It's like all the people that go, oh no, all the computers are going to crash. We're all going to die because the year 2000, year 2000 hits, nothing happens. All the people that go, oh AI, just I just just flick the computer switch no, I'm, off. I'm in the I'm in the camp with Ray Kurzweil, man. I think it's just like we're 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 gonna just we're gonna live with the we're gonna live. You know the, the most amazing thing that he said that really blew my mind was when he was talking about how, um, um, like uh, we thought that you know we thought that uh, automation would do all this stuff. Or, and we thought that it would uh, take away jobs. Well, automation's been happening for years, and mm -hmm. and we're and we and in in the last few years, uh, COVID with a you know barring the the little blip we had with COVID, unemployment is the lowest it's ever been in North America. And so, like this whole automation thing, although it's still progressing, like that whole job thing never happened. And the other interesting thing that he's that he re that he really said, and this is a, this is an episode with. Uh, of Alex Friedman's podcast with Ray Kurzweil, who's a futurist, um, was the thing about how the the notion that um, these like really really adva advanced um, technologies are going to be only available to the rich, mm. and yes, how that's yes, and I and I've that been I've really yeah. subscribed to this notion that oh when we get to that point of where where 
your intelligence is being amplified greatly by like really, really greatly by technology that it'll be something that's available to the rich. And then that will exacerbate the wealth gap and that the poor will get poorer and the rich will get richer. And then he likened it to when the, when cell phones came out and he was like, you know, when cell phones came out, he goes, you know, you know what, you know what rich people will buy when we get these advanced technologies? They'll get a technology. They'll they'll pay a lot of money for a technology that doesn't really work. That's very right. Well. Yeah, that's right. And they likened it to cell Early phones. Adopters. Cell phones in the eighties. Yeah. You had this big brick. It didn't really work very well. They were really expensive. Yeah. Only a few people had them, but they didn't really fucking do anything. Yeah. And it's only scale where everybody can get it yeah. that actually allows a technology to be good. Yes. Yeah. That technology can't be good until it can be scaled. Yeah. And the thing with Ray Kurzweil is that he he has like he's like like Nostradamus. Like he has predicted so many things that have come true and what a shame it will be when this is the first time that he's wrong. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I think that, I mean, you guys are both forgetting so soon that, that we started this podcast off talking about a fucking supercomputer called Cynet. <laughs> it's and called Cynet. So holy fuck. How much, how much more yeah, convincing really do you need it's that we're only all one fucked. letter away yeah. from the Terminator? We're yeah. so fucked. Uh, well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, big shout out to Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary. We fucking loved coming out there. We can't wait to come out again. Man, we love Alberta. Uh, I mean, Yahoo, yeehaw. Um, we sh- remember when we shit so hard no. in Alberta during COVID? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we do love coming out there, though, and uh, and we had such a great time. We thank everybody for coming out to the live shows. Such a fucking fun, fun time. And hey, uh, Toronto, can't guarantee anything, but... We're thinking about it. There might be an opportunity for you to come see our live show in a month that rhymes with Movember. Um, so so uh, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, it could happen, and uh, we hope it does. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, come join us on Discord. Uh, the Discord link is in all of our show notes. Conversations happening over there. You can help produce the podcast uh, and uh, you know hang out with our lovely patrons. Um, you don't have to be a patron to join, but uh, if you join uh, Patreon, you get better channels on the Discord. Um, and if you want to support further, uh, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We ask you all the time and we'll continue to ask. So do it. And uh, you can leave a rating on the Spotify mobile app. And you can tell us what you think about us as individuals, as a collective, any ideas that you might have, anything that you want to say about yourself or your experience or your thoughts on the podcast, letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form. And thanks, as always, to the folks who help make this show happen. A huge thank you to Rich O'Coin, who does the theme music that you're about to hear and the theme music that you heard at the start, which is both the same song. And you can go and listen to that whole song and a bunch of other dope songs over on um, great places where you listen to music, preferably not the music-providing apps that take all the money away from the artists. Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp.com. And a huge thank you to Jeff Lonas, our manager. Uh, we love you, buddy. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.